0: Welcome, this is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of
1: banter, Blummer. It's a great way to start the podcast, isn't it?
2: It is. And we're in the bleachers. This is the Bleacher Blums podcast. I know we have a tendency to ramble a little bit to begin with. We're all on tight schedules. But uh, myself, Jeff Blum, I am the color commentator for the Houston Astros, played a little bit in the big leagues, and then my co-host, David Tuttle, who we, you just heard talking chatting and uh, bantering back and forth, played at Santa Clara University, played for Team USA, got drafted, played in the minor leagues for nine years, got traded a couple of times, never really got the chance. But I'll be damned if he isn't just a fine gentleman and able to come on here and talk with me every once in a while. So it's kind of fun. But, uh, you know, What's on Tap brought to you by St. Arnold. As always, oh, I can update on my St. Arnold event. We had a blast, dude. Oh, I saw you. And it went so well. Uh, We actually had a chance to send a picture to uh, David Tuttle because he was on the left coast. And my producer, our producer, and our all-around swag specialist, uh, Mark Ramos, was at the St. Arnold event handing out T-shirts. Planned on handing out T-shirts, but people were gracious enough to purchase them off him. He had stickers, he had coasters, he had all kinds of great stuff. But it was a, it was a fun event, and of all things, it was on a Monday night, and f- people showed up. We hung out, we gave away prizes, we raffled off a bunch of stuff, and I ended up raising a ton of money for my uh, for my charity, the Star Rock Ministries. So I greatly appreciate all of those who have showed up who showed up at the St. Arnold event. It was awesome. I got to hang out with Marco. We had a couple of pops. Uh, I believe I had a couple of lawnmowers. I'm not sure what Marco had, but he probably had a much better beer, even though that the lawnmower is really good, but he might have a little bit uh, more better palate, I guess, that day. But uh, it was a good time. We're going to talk a little- A more better palate. More better. Well, I wanted to say more better -er. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it is early. My brain is still trying to function, and I've got my little, my little espresso going. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline. Uh, uh, the kind of a heartbreaker for me is Vin Scully passing away. We're both Tuttle and I being left-coast guys growing up in California. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I grew up in the L.A. area, so Vin Scully was a big part of my childhood and my, and my love for the game of baseball. And then obviously getting to play baseball – you know that was probably one of the cool things, and I'll I'll, I'll elaborate on it later. Is having guys like uh, my partner's dad call games for me, uh, the great Harry Callis, and then you had Vin Scully. You know those those there are some icons out there that when you have them name drop you in a game, you you feel like you've reached a level. So I'll talk a little bit about that, and then I've got a thing with joey gallo i don't know what it is but i don't understand it and i want to talk about it a little bit later but uh tuttle what's going on what do you, do you have anything on tap that you'd like no, to chat
1: about that's great blomer it's so funny man it's so good to see you again i uh the bronx the thing we talked about on the bronx uh the bronx podcast was uh the Bronx Pinstripes podcast with Joey Gallo, and here he is coming to uh, our lovely L.A. Dodgers here in SoCal. You so get to I had, enjoy him now. Well I, ha- well, I don't. I mean, I- I'm blacked out. The Dodgers have their own network, and unless oh, you right. pay for their network, so it's great. I don't have to watch St- the Black Dodgers the or the, the Angels. Ever. I watch the Astros yeah, and so the Giants brutal. as much as I want. <laughs> um, let's see. So Joey Gallo was on my list, which is funny. The guy seems to pop up everywhere. Uh, trade deadline was certainly on there. Um, do I dare mention the former quarterback for the Houston, uh, Texans? I thought it would be interesting oh. to kind of, no, no, we, I mean, we don't have to dive into it. Um, no, but, but I, I, thought, I yeah, yeah, I hear you. And then I, I, again, also had Vin Scully. Now, my question for you is hopefully at this, uh, this little fundraiser at St. Arnold, um, we teed up the trip because, i uh, I definitely planning to come out there, uh, late September, early October, when you get off work officially, and then we'll have a couple pops. Maybe you can uh, up your palate, mm-hmm. and we'll get a couple IPAs or something out there. What is the? Uh, what's your favorite? It's Lawnmower, and then there's a there's something else. The IPA. Oh yeah, the, the Art Car IPA is Art really Car, good. That's the one. I'm 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 yeah. I'm putting that if on we the sat list. sat down and
2: yeah, put it on the list. But it's funny because like they uh they'll get they have a double Art Car IPA, but I think the ABV on it's like nine. And I yeah. mean, oh my gosh, Th- those are the I won't ones make that it. I drink like it. <laughs> Drink at night to put me to sleep, man. <laughs>
1: That's right. I won't make it through an appearance. Like, here's Dave Tuttle. He's had two hard arch- cars. Hey, What's wrong bro? with that guy? Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, sounds like, he sounds like Harry Carey quickly. Hey.
2: Hey, anybody Six, knows my not, buds not. just showed up. <laughs>
1: that's funny yeah the Vin Scully thing was interesting and I'd love to t- dig into that so uh, you know as typical our, our yeah. uh, what's on tap by brought to you by St. Arnold is uh is raring and ready to go and if I have a a, a curveball to throw you maybe I will do so during the podcast but I think we're pretty aligned with the topics du jour remember you can get at us on both Twitter and Instagram at real David Tuttle at blummer 27 on Instagram and Twitter and uh why don't we uh lead off Blummer? What what do, you, what do you got to start then? Should we just get into the trade deadline?
2: Yeah, let's let's talk about the trades. You know, winners, losers, who who you saw that you thought did a very good job. And I th- I just think it's fascinating that you are out there in uh California. We just talked about the Dodgers. They they made nominal moves, but there is a certain West Coast team for me that absolutely lit it up. I'm not sure you know how that team is going to look in the in the future as far as a minor league system yeah. but dude the san diego freaking padres went absolutely berserk and got a mammoth haul from the nationals with Juan Soto who everybody was like how the heck are they going to trade that guy and what would you get in return and then you've got Josh Bell going with them and yeah. both of those guys having an impact on that game last night but that is a scary scary moves for the San Diego Padres. And I think one of the bigger ones might be that Josh Hader move, getting him in the back end of the bullpen.
1: I agree. We talk about pitching and defense during the uh, during the postseason. I mean, Hader's first game with them, uh, he looked like, you know, uh, full of life. What do they say? Uh, vim and vigor, piss and vinegar. Yeah. Any of those work. He was throwing 98, 99, looked good, looked fresh. And I think, you know, I've talked about chemistry, but chemistry is a really interesting thing because when you start plugging holes at positions meaning you know if you're the one and two or the three starter and you're four and five or you know a drop off significantly or you know you have a good three four five in your lineup and then you have a drop off at seven eight and you know pitch teams know they can pitch to you it's great but you know nothing nothing heals chemistry like winning and then putting a a superstar at every position is a pretty damn good way to start Tatis may or may not come back but boy he'll add and so great you get Soto and Bell and all the uh, fanfare that comes with that, and Chris Drury, who they picked up from the Reds, having a Dude. fantastic year, goes grand salami. So, I mean, now you have Drury. Slam so, goes no. back. That's right, Slam Diego. So, so can their pitching stay healthy? I mean, Clevenger and you know, getting some arms back would be fantastic. But I just, I mean, from a from a top to bottom, every year when we say, oh yeah, the Yankees have it loaded, the Dodgers are loaded. I don't know if they did it early enough or if they've had a loaded enough team for long enough, but the Padres have a piece at every position to be very, very successful.
2: Yeah, I think the I think that big winner was the San Diego Padres. You know, uh, Hater getting into the back end of the bullpen. But like you said, they were pretty comfortable with their starting rotation. Uh, You know, the three big names for me, and the the reason I think about three names in a rotation, and you'll understand this too, is when you get into the postseason, especially the first couple of rounds, you only need three starters. It's how you design your bullpen after that, but. You've got Yu Darvish, Joe Musgrove just got himself a five-year, hundred million-plus deal, and uh, like you said, Clevenger coming back. I think that's what kind of gave the uh, the Padres a probably a sense of hope and the idea of going out and trading for some of these beasts. But dude, Juan Soto in that lineup—you already have uh, Machado over there. Uh, they've got some good peripheral pieces, and I think that they are going to be a, a force to be dealt with. But the f- interesting thing to me is that they're still f- so far behind in the West that they're playing for a wild card. This is a wild card organization that just pra- play you know traded for a bunch of beasts in their lineup. So that's where I'm kind of curious. It would be a shame if the Padres traded for all these guys, got the wild card bid, and then got knocked out in the first round. I don't, man, that would yeah. be seriously crazy. But being the only show in town in San Diego I wonder if that creates them a little more of the opportunity to raise ticket prices and really hammer their fans to try and compensate for some of these salaries because I'm trying to imagine their payroll in like two years I don't yeah. I don't see how they pull this off
1: well remember I think you brought this up last podcast and it got I got carried away with it too I mean Juan Soto's under you know he's under uh you know he has about two more years I know it's arbitration yeah, control too but but when you're under control like that I mean not that you would leverage it, but you gave up a guy who we thought could have been rookie of the year at C.J. Abrams and you gave up, you know, obviously a a cache of guys. But I think the key point to this, and we've said this before, the NFL, the NBA, those first and second round picks play right out of the gate. They get paid a lot of money, the maturity level, the speed of the game, all of that. Those are the guys that play every day. Baseball's always been a different um, animal because of the minor leagues and all that. And you know as well as I, and we've talked about it. I mean, I was drafted in the sixth round. You were drafted in the seventh round, right? You played set, you know, 14 years in the big leagues and I didn't make it. It's kind of like the rounds don't have, like you've got to go now. And I think because yeah. Soto was under control for two years, made that uh, a worthwhile deal for the Padres because as you already mentioned, uh, they've got Machado and Tatis like tied up. Um, they did offload at Hosmer. So that was a, then that was a pretty big contract as well. So I'm sure AJ Preller was looking at Some math, but he also knows that. I mean, if he wants to, a disgruntled Soto, you don't want to have that, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't have to sign him long term. And if they do really well this year, get to the World Series this year with the squad they have then he can sell Soto on the fact that, hey, we'll reward you in arbitration or we'll give you a good one or two year deal to, to you know look at the payroll and then we can adjust some other time because again, nothing fixes chemistry in the clubhouse like winning. So so do we want to go all the way to loser of the trade deadline or should we get into what the Astros did because they made some small moves? But yep. it, it'd be interesting to kind of dig into uh, some of the other deals.
2: No, I, th- I think you know it, it's interesting to me to see the World Series odds changing in Vegas. Now you've got, the Dodgers and Yankees are the top two teams. The Astros kind of fall back a little bit to that third spot. But I do I think we should talk about the Astros, obviously, because we have a pretty strong contingent that follow us here on Bleacher Blums who want to know about the Astros. And the Astros traded for Christian Vasquez, catcher from Boston, which was an incredibly awkward situation with him being on the field, being told about the trade, and you know the Boston uh, Red Sox PR guy pulling him into the dugout. It was it was a bizarre situation, but he just changes clubhouses. Uh, He played a great game yesterday, calling a great game for Jose Urquidy, and he's an offensive weapon too. Whether or not he, I don't know how much he's going to play with uh, Martin Maldonado, but he looked great behind the plate yesterday, and he's a threat at the plate. I think he puts together some great at-bats. Obviously, the numbers dictate that. And then you have Trey Mancini, Ooh. and he came over, hit a home run in his second at-bat as an Astros, so the fans absolutely adored him. Will Smith, left-handed pitcher, comes out of the bullpen. Unfortunately, gives up a Crawford box home <laughs> run, but he ended up pitching well when he had a buddy of his in center field make a great play for him. But the Astros needed they needed a backup catcher, and this is no offense to Corey Lee, who, who's the future catcher of the Houston Astros. And then you needed somebody veteran who was going to back up Martín Maldonado because God forbid anything happened to Martín injury-wise that he can't play. You needed, you needed somebody with experience behind the plate. Christian Vasquez checked all those boxes. They were able to trade for him. So I think that was a solid, strong move. And hopefully Vasquez can blend into that clubhouse and be fine. Trey Mancini's a guy... With the Astros needed a bat. That's the bat they got was Trey Mancini. I think that he's gonna have flashes of, you know, home run pop and be a threat, play left field, play first base, DH a little bit. But uh the one thing for me that they didn't address was center field. They're going to ride or die with Jake Myers and Chaz McCormick out there, and that's the only thing I've got that was kind of interesting. They they made decent moves, but they didn't make that big splash to go get a Josh Bell, which I thought they were going to do.
1: Yeah, and we didn't touch on that with the Padres. The Padres got Soto and Bell from the Nationals, which those were two key pieces that a lot of teams were looking at. But it is interesting because I think you know they put Dusty on live on ESPN. I was watching that uh, in my hotel room, and – you know, I usually look for your broadcast, but it was just on the TV. <laughs> uh and they were like, Dusty, so we just got Christian Vasquez. How do you think he and Martin are gonna work well together? And Dusty's like, you know, I don't know. You know, I was just told of the news, like Mart, you know, you know, Machete's like the leader in the clubhouse and he's a superstar. And, you know, yes, he's hitting 185 or whatever, but again, we always do splits and you know, hot at the end of the year. He was on fire in July. Like, I mean, he had a really yeah. good July. And, you know, I mean This is one of those weird things because I used to make fun of baseball like you and I played during the steroid era. But, you know, Mark Belanger's a Hall of Famer and he was hitting like 199, 201. He was always (laughs) around the the Mendoza line for the Orioles. I mean, Martin Maldonado does that for you guys. I mean, I don't think Justin Verlander would be having the year he's having if it wasn't for Martin. And I think JV would say the same damn thing. So Martin's not going anywhere. I don't think he feels intimidated, but man, that that's the kind of the most awkward piece from afar about the trade. Because as you said, you know, you even talked about them getting a bat where Yuri (laughs) Yuri Yuli Gurriel. That's easy for me to say. (laughs) Where Yuli would take a little time off, maybe platoon or DH, or you know, get a guy at first base. But you know, Myers isn't a proven commodity yet. He's a decent bat and obviously a good outfielder. McCormick just seems to be like a hustle guy you know a great utility guy kind of maybe building a role like you had in the big leagues i really like watching mccormick play but neither of those guys yet have proven that they're going to be the you know kind of the centerpiece or 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 a key factor in um in the playoffs and you know taking the astros to where they want to go so that's that's Similar to backing up your point, that's kind of where I see mm. it. It's kind of an interesting challenge. Alfred's gonna no, make an appearance agree. today, by the way. Here he goes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice the we'll landscaper
2: clean. in town. That's good. Yeah, Go no get cleaning
1: em. cleaning lady. You know how when you're home oh, by yourself gotcha. and the doorbell rings. So anyway, oh, Alfred's dude. gonna make an Happens appearance. Every single time. But we love
2: that yeah. in the bleachers. It's yeah. real, man. Yeah. Yep. All right. So you know, uh, and just to, real quickly to touch on Will Smith, I think that he's going to take some of the pressure off of guys like Phil Maton, Hector Neris, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanick, where you can use Will Smith maybe a little bit earlier in the game in some high leverage situations against tough left-handed hitters. But, uh, you, you know, he's not having the greatest year, hopefully moving into this bullpen and being used in a little more situational type situations, if that makes any sense, uh, hopefully makes him a little bit better, but, uh, Some interesting times, some big trades. Again, the Vegas odds, if you go check them out, it is going to be the Dodgers again. It's going to be the Yankees because of some of the key moves they made. And then the Astros as far as World Series odds. Uh, Do you think that the – do you think that the Yankees made enough moves to make them that World Series contender?
1: You know, that's always that's a great question, Blummer, and I hadn't thought about it. I this is the other thing I love about the podcast is, you know, you and I have an idea and we're, you know, now that we've done this for 3 years, we're paying attention you're every night in front of the the camera. You know, I just kind of arbitrarily see things and snippets and watch here, but my my gut feeling tells me that the Yankees thought that they had Most of the pieces in place, right? They've already Mm -hmm. um, sealed a winning record at home, you know, for the entire year. So essentially, that means if they lost every game at home for the rest of the year, they would still be above 500. So I think what they were when they went in the clubhouse and looked in the mirror, they said, "Oh my God, we're you know we're a good team. We're playing way above, you know, I don't know, out over our skis." And so I think just a tweak here or there and it's funny as you and i were guests on the bronx pinstripes podcast a couple weeks ago we said this joey gallo cat i mean where is he going to fit in especially if they actually pull the trigger and get somebody like ben intendi so again we Mm -hmm. predicted the future but joey gallo has moved out of the clubhouse which you know, I think Ben is a great addition to that, um, to that yeah. team. And when you I always bring up Gardner for some reason, but when you look at like the heart and soul of a team, yeah. Gardner's different because he was homegrown and he's a hustling type player. But we all know uh, Ben and made a fantastic play against the Astros years ago, that diving play in left field. But he's a decent outfielder, he's a great bat in the lineup, he's left-handed. I mean, that's a Would you rather have Benintendi or Gallo in the lineup there? And you know, and now you have Carpenter. And I think I think my one caveat to the Yankees, their lineup, and I don't think anybody was worried about their hitting. If Aaron Judge just keeps putting everybody on his back and John Carlo can get back and be healthy, that's a formidable lineup. It's gonna be the pitching. And I don't know. I mean, I know they made some pitching moves too. You mentioned that. I mean, but Gosh, the guys they had right after we talked about the All Star game and these guys that that uh they had a couple guys blow out, and um you know that's going to be a challenge to see how those guys fit in the mix. Um specifically, I don't know are are they supposed to get Chapman back as well, or is he just I don't know he's been he was
2: back, but he wasn't pitching in that leverage situation late in ball games. That was what was crazy to me. But then they lose yeah. Michael King who broke his Thank arm. You. That was a huge King, loss. That was that's the you one. Know, that yeah. – Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Clayton Holmes has been unbelievable. Wow. He's their closer now, and he's been lights out. Chapman's kind of that lefty specialist guy, pocket maybe in the sixth or seventh inning, but he's kind of lost that role in the in the yeah. seventh or in that ninth inning. But uh, their starting rotation for me is still the question mark. I can't yeah. believe they traded Jordan Montgomery. That was the one that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, wait a minute, he's decent in your starting rotation, right. but now you're trying. You know, Severino. What's he going to bring? Is he going to stay healthy? And then right. you've got Tyonne. Is that yeah, who's Tyon, that going to be? Uh, Garrett Cole just gave up, you know, what three home runs and six runs in the first inning the other day and ended up taking a loss in that game. So, you know, a lot riding on that arm of Garrett Cole. I think the bullpen may have gotten a little bit better for the Yankees. And I felt like the guys that they went to go get, you know, Lou Trevino from, um, uh, oh, oh, they've got Frankie Montas, yep. which is they they good got too, Montas but the Astros. And Trevino, are, yeah. Yeah, the Astros have beat up on uh, Montas the last couple of times, and then Trevino, I think, is going to implode. He, he was under pressure in Oakland and had a 70 ERA, I think, under the spotlight of New York. It may be, uh, get to him a little bit. Uh, the guy that I'm curious about is, is this guy named Scott Efros. And he's got a wicked sidearm delivery and a turbo sinker to right-handed hitters. I think that's the idea, that they wanted to go get a guy that could beat some of the right-handed hitters for the Astros late in, uh, late in games. That might be the guy. And they picked up Harrison Bader, too. So they got some outfield help, and you know, I don't want to get into it just now because I'm going to throw it to a sponsor real quick. But when we come back from this sponsor break – I'm going to light Joey Gallo up, and I don't understand what's going on and why baseball's so infatuated with this guy. So enjoy the sponsor and look forward to maybe me exposing Joey Gallo even more than he's already been exposed. All right, here we go.
0: The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way, and that's with Babbel. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. And
2: we're back. Thank you to the Blue Wire Podcast Network for hooking us up and getting those advertisers on here so that we can continue to bring you the best in baseball coverage here in the Bleachers with the Bleacher Blum's podcast crew. Myself, Jeff Blum. We've got David Tuttle and, of course, our producer, Mark Ramos, doing a heck of a job out there. But uh, Joey Gallo. We were just got done talking about the New York Yankees. We got done talking about some of the trades and what they mean to some of these teams. And then Joey Gallo's name continues to come up. And when we heard that Benintendi was signing with the Yankees, Harrison Bader getting traded to the Yankees, All of a sudden, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with Joey Gallo? We've got to trade him. And they end up trading him to the Los Angeles Dodgers, which could be incredibly ironic. If it's not the Astros in the playoffs or in the World Series, and it's Yankees-Dodgers, and somehow you have a slugfest between Cody Bellinger and Joey Gallo against the Yankees, that would be absolutely incredible because those are the two of the highest strikeout guys on the planet. But uh, that would be remarkable if he squared anything up because... This guy, I think, is hitting around a buck sixty. even had interviews in New York where he said, I'm not going to change who I am, which blows my mind because we talk about it all this time on this podcast, Tuttle. If something ain't working, you need to make the adjustment, and baseball is the game of adjustments. You've got to find a way to go out there and be better and help your team, and Joey Gallo didn't do either of those things with the New York Yankees, blamed it on the pressure, blamed it on the media, blamed it on the attention he was getting. But I think a lot of the attention exposed to Joey Gallo actually is, and he's not a very good hitter. And I've got a lot of numbers to back that up that just fascinated me because it's fascinating to me that Joey Gallo is a coveted piece because of the potential for a possible home run. What say you about Joey Gallo? And I'm, Am I an irrational, Joey Gallo, anti-Joey Gallo type guy?
1: Gosh, uh, irrational, I don't, I don't, I've never described you as irrational. <laughs> like both of us have like strong reactions. We, I was joking before that, you know, a guy like Joey Gallo has been in the big leagues a while. I, I do think, you know, sometimes it's optics and you know this well, which is if you look up baseball, you know, you're trying to explain baseball to somebody who doesn't know it and you look it up on Wikipedia which now you would instead of the dictionary, I guess. Um, right next to it says baseball game of adjustments. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what it is, right? So when you come out and yeah, and there is there is not a picture of Joey Gallo there, um, but but I do I do think it's an interesting point, which I I don't think it's irrational. I do think it's funny that. You know, we talk about trading within divisions and things like that. Is maybe the Dodgers were the only ones that wanted them, and that you know the Yankees feel strongly about. They know what they have, but man, uh, you know, aside from the Astros, we know we have a ton of listeners there, and you know, for your sake, we'd love the Astros to get there. If it's a Dodgers-Yankees World Series, which would make everybody uh, from MLB just go crazy from a from a TV standpoint, especially uh, with the passing of Vince Scully and you know just some of the things that they're they're celebrating this year. Um, it would be amazing to see Gallo and Bellinger, you know, kind of <laughs> bottom of the eighth inning here. They're pinch hitting Joey Gallo. Oh, he strikes out, you know, bottom of the, you know, top of the ninth inning. Oh, Bellinger, oh, yeah. he's pinching. But if one of those had, uh, well, I know Bellinger wasn't traded, but if either of those gentlemen have a, have a, uh a say so in the outcome of the World Series would be a really interesting uh dynamic. So I you know, I don't think you're irrationally bashing him. I do think it's optics coming out and saying you're not gonna make adjustments and, you know, the pressure of New York's getting to you. I I, I actually appreciate the honesty. But it's really funny. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're not going to adjust, then what's the pressure, right? I mean, you don't have any pressure. Just go. Out and do, <laughs> True. That's a good. Just go out and do point. your thing. It's one thing if you spend all night in the batting cages yeah, and why you're like lowering your yeah. hands or like keeping, you know, like getting your foot down earlier, or trying to, you know, whatever. But no, I'm not. I'm not working on it. So, I mean, you know, maybe that's why the yeah. pressure built. But you know, it'll be interesting. So, I mean. I was just going to say one last thing about the Dodgers. So yeah. the Dodgers did not do this in the trade deadline, but they just called up their number one prospect. It was their minor league player of the year Shout last it. year. And they got another guy named James Outman or Otman. Outman, Otman. Yeah, yeah. I know yeah, what you're talking that, about. He didn't get out for his first nine at bats. So we continue to talk about um, here. What depth. He get? Yeah, we, t- yeah, exactly. We just talk about depth. I'm going to look them up right now. So, you know, we're, oh, look at all these guys. They're going to trade for guys. And how are we going to pull these guys? And, you know, they, you know, the Padres depleted their whole um, system. Depleted yeah. their whole system. The Dodgers called up a guy named Miguel Vargas last night. His first at bat against the Giants hit a double, an RBI double.
2: That was a rocket um,
1: to the right center field, too. That oh, was a rocket. Woo. And then James Outman's the other guy. James Outman yeah. had nine at bats in the big leagues without, before he recorded an out. He was like,
0: you Game's know, easy. I mean,
1: yeah, game's easy. And you know how that'll change, <laughs> but but I'm just telling you. So, you you know, everyone's like, oh, the Dodgers are fantastic. They got both Turners. They got this kid named Mookie Betts that you might have heard of. They got even Bellinger, you know, former Rookie mm-hmm. of the Year and, and MVP, League MVP. It's like they just, oh, Freddie Freeman, by the way. They got him in a trade. And then you call up this guy named James Outman, and you can't get him out for nine, <laughs> you know, nine at-bats. And last night, Miguel Var- So His middle name is you know, No. Yeah, James No Outman. There you go. I love it, (laughs) Blummer. See, this is why you're a color broadcaster. You come up with that right on the spot. uh, Ramos, there's a new T-shirt. Unfortunately, you can't make Dodger T-shirt. James No Outman. We can put that on. Anyway, really funny. (laughs) But 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 I mean, really, that's the scary part. And this is why drafting and you know what you kind of asked at the outset of the trade deadline when we talk about known commodities. Astros and Dodgers are very good at this. You're right. They're awesome at that. They have homegrown. Players. Look at Pena. I mean, Pena. Yeah. Yes, yes. You skip a beat with Correa because Correa is one of the you know top five players in the league. But not really. I mean, if you if every team could say we're going to mm-hmm. trade Correa or you know he's a free agent and we're going to call up a young guy, um and and we're going to still be as competitive and it'll help our pitching staff or it'll help our balance because of the salary cap. I mean, not too many teams could do that. The Dodgers and the Astros, I think you're right, rise to the top when it comes to that. And uh, so, you know, this is a little transition from the trade deadline stuff, but calling up Outman and Vargas and all of a sudden your lineup's more robust and and better. And uh, and the Dodgers are, I mean, I as much as I don't like the Dodgers and I was really, you know, proud of the Giants last year, I mean, the Dodgers, every night, every night, I look at the box score. I mean, what's their record, 70 and 30 or something? I mean, it's, it's yeah. gnarly. Yeah.
2: And just to finish off the thought on Joey Gallo, uh, you know, everybody's like home runs, low batting average. And some of them go, or they reach back and they say, oh, what? he's just like Rob Deere. He's just like Mickey Tennilton. I know those are names from the eighties that you and I believe, you know, were similar to Joey Gallo, but how about this? Rob Deere's career batting average 220. He hit 230 home runs with 600 RBIs. Mickey Tennilton's career average 241, dude. It's not bad. Take that for a power guy, 245, that plays these days. But again, the most astonishing number for me is two sack flies for Joey Gallo in his career. Rob Deere had 22. Mickey Tindleton had 47. You ready for this? Yours truly had 40 in his career. Joey Gallo is awesome. and His career batting average for Joey Gallo, 201. Do you remember a guy named Mario Mendoza where we call it the Mendoza line? You remember that guy? I Guess do. Guess what his career average was? Yes. 2.00 2.15. Oh, 215. no way.
1: I always thought Mendoza yeah. was 200. That was the point. Me too. <laughs> Mario Mendoza
2: hit 215 in his career, but it's the he, he is the
1: Mendoza line. You heard it here on the Bleacher Blums podcast. Mario Mendoza has gotten a bad rap for 120 years, folks. Unfair. <laughs> we always thought he should have said the Mendoza line's 215. You it's know now the funny? Gallo line. If Joey Gallo hits 200 first career, he's 201. If he ends up hitting 199 or 200, <laughs> we are gonna. Hey, it's a cancel culture. We are going to change the Mendoza line to the Gallo line without a doubt. Redemption. We're going to we're going to get a petition signed. We're going to go to the winter <laughs> meetings and say that we need the Mendoza line uh, changed to the to Joey Gallo line. So you know, you made a couple yeah. of really good points there, which is funny. The career, um, I, the, a good friend of mine uh, pitched for the Tigers, and uh, Mickey Tuttleton was in camp when he was there, and you know, oh, you have inner, inner squads when you first go there. You know, so this guy was a young guy, high pick, and he's like, "This is great." So, you know, the catchers know; they all know each other, and you know, it's intra-squad. So the guy's like, "Look, Tettleton Tettleton can handle the fastball, but you got to throw it in off the plate." So this is just a funny little story; it's not a bad story. Um, So he's like, "All right, throw you know a fastball in off the plate." We're talking inside the black there, right under his hands, and he smashes it like past the first base box, like you know, foul, like just turned on it inside. He's like, "All right." catcher comes out he's like all right you got to throw this one more inside like the catcher's like you know kind of behind his front hip he throws it in there and whack tettleton smashes it over the dugout like just yanks it foul (laughs) and then he throws when he says no you got to throw this one at his butt cheek like you have to get get it in there because you threw the first one he almost hit it fair the second one over like you got to get it in there he throws one almost behind him. Like today, we'd see it on TV, and it's like, <laughs> hey, you know, what are you throwing at me for? Tettleton smashes it over the on deck circle. <laughs> and he Jeez. was like, so the reason I tell the story is you this is like you're there. talking about Tettleton, 245. You could not get it in there on the guy. So here you go 245, whatever, 47 sack flies and 245 home runs. The guy was a legitimate big leaguer and he could handle the fastball, but it was really funny to learn that was that guy's welcome <laughs> to the big leagues. Like, hey, first big league camp, throw it in, get it in here like whack whack you're like oh my god I cannot I can't, can't throw it far it past enough in, in right. <laughs> so how else will I get him out anyway so so, but to your point about Joey Gallo I mean that's not his game so you know I, I think it's a it's a slight against Joey Gallo and Rob Deere even to say Joey Gallo is just like Rob Deere and just like yeah. Mickey Tettleton if I were Mickey Tettleton I'd be pissed off
2: <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> right? how dare you do that to me yeah, seriously. oh man, man.
1: Uh, Oh, and career
2: home runs. Rob Deere had 230. Mickey Tunnelton had 245. Joey Gallo currently sits at 170. So Mm -hmm. we will see how that plays out. And just speaking of the Dodgers and getting a maybe – This is actually, it's sad, but at the same time, I think the fact that you know when somebody passes away and the stories get better is a tribute to who the person was, whether it's in your small group of friends at home or whether it's a guy like Vin Scully. But uh, I know that you grew up in Northern California, Tuttle. You're a Giants fan, a lot of uh, rivalry between the Dodgers and Giants. So I'm sure you heard the voice quite a bit growing up. But growing up in the LA area, I was a guy that got spoiled by Chick Hearn with the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, this game's over, the refrigerator door is closing, and the, you know, the butter is chilling, kind of thing. And then you had Vin Scully, who was probably the most poetic and interesting storyteller in all of the game of baseball, who could handle, who could handle the pace of the game of baseball by telling stories and having everything literally intimate knowledge of every player that was on the field. And now that I sit in the booth and understanding what he had to have done on a regular basis and understanding that he also called a lot of games solo, Yep. That blows my mind. That means you've got to be incredibly prepared. You've got to have your homework done. You've got to have the current knowledge. And then you have to have stories to fill time. And that's exactly what made Vin Scully so beautiful. And just to share a little you know, personal insight, I did meet him a couple of times. Incredibly gracious human being. But uh, it, it was always on a personal level. It was it was not too often about baseball. But I remember when I got called up in 1999, we got to go through Dodger Stadium, and obviously that's where I grew up watching some baseball games. So it was you know a lot of fun for me to step in. But unbeknownst to me, as I dig in because I can't you know I can't hear the television broadcast. I'm having friends text me and call me going, oh my gosh, Vin Scully knows everything about you because I grew up in the LA area. So he proceeded to go through my high school career, went through my collegiate career at Berkeley, And, you know, even knew that my wife, Corey, was from Yorba Linda, California. So he always exploited the ties to Southern California when I came up and spoke graciously about me. And I vividly remember how awesome that was to have my name called by Vin Scully and have him have that knowledge. But there was a couple of years later, I'm with the San Diego Padres and I come into Pinch Hit on May 3rd. I can't remember if it was, you know, 2006 or 7, I think, but uh, I dig in. And I hit a home run. I had a pinch hit home run that day. And for those of you that don't know, that's my triplets birthday. And he went into, it had to be about a three to five minute story about my triplets and how great it must've been for me to hit a home run on my triplets birthday. So that's my little tribute to Vince Scully and what he meant to me. I had no idea that his broadcasting, you know, I'd be sharing, you know, a common career with him, but, uh, he's an icon. He is the bar that will never be, you know, achieved because he was so great, but, uh, what a great man to know him and have him call my name was absolutely incredible. But, uh, I don't know what you have about Vin Scully, but that was just my little moment to be able to give a little back to, uh, Vin Scully, who was, uh, truly a, a gentleman and did so much for the game of baseball.
1: Yeah, Blum, that's funny. I had a question on here to ask you about your favorite uh, Vin Scully story, and there it is, folks. I mean, that's, but it, it's it incredible. Awesome. And, and I do think foundationally, like when we say there'll never be another, I mean, it's just, you know, the games change, the landscape's True. always changing. But when you're a pioneer like that, you know, you, you'll get <sighs> a you'll, word for it. Right. You'll never get, um, credit for you know i mean like even if you aspire to be the next vin scully and we know that you know bob costas was a great broadcaster and al michaels and all these guys but you know or and joe buck a lot of people don't like joe buck but you know he's obviously got the the game like he's got it down Mm -hmm. uh in terms of being a professional and you know like you said tk your partner you know had to follow his dad into this and he's very good but i'm sure tk would tell you like his dad was an inspiration and a pioneer and so i always think Mm -hmm. that you know, there will be good broadcasters. There will be outstanding folks. I was listening to the Giants again last night, and John Miller, who's already like a Hall of Fame broadcaster, was doing the game yeah. by himself on radio and doing the game by yourself again. I mean, it's really – it's unbelievable. What – Vin Scully, I have two things for you. What his skill was is telling a story, and you said it already, the pace of the game is slow. But because you had a home run on your triplet's birthday, Vin Scully never fent the uh, – felt the urgency to, you know, to say mm-hmm. say Bagwell's hitting behind you to jump into Bagwell now and tell you everything about Bagwell. He kept this the story going yeah. about you. And and that's fine because he'll get Bagwell into the next game or the game after. Or he mm-hmm. he was very he was adept at reading the game enough to know that it was important to finish the story about you and the triplets and you're from southern california and how gracious and how outstanding it must be to hit on may 3rd a home run you know and that didn't affect people aren't clamoring for well we want to know about bagwell and what's he hitting and what's going on there like he just he floated into the game you know and to your point that's what made it uh his storytelling kept the pace of the game the tone everything like that and then the story i heard this week was uh And everybody's like, what's your favorite Vin Scully story? Um, And this is not my story. But uh, I guess uh, Socrates Brito was a a baseball player. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't remember Socrates Brito. But he came up. And uh, I guess Vin Scully, it took him a whole inning, too gave everybody the story about the Greek philosopher Socrates. You know, like, hey, Socrates Brito from the Dominican Republic. He's named after Socrates, the Greek philosopher from 1617. And he proceeded (laughs) for the next inning and a half to tell everybody like why Socrates was important and what he thought, you know, the earth. he was the first person to think the earth is round. And, you know, anyway. And so you're sitting there and you're just gaining knowledge about something that most baseball fans either probably didn't care about or didn't expect to learn that day. And I think if you encapsulate that into what you said about you know your wife being from Yorba Linda and how you went to dodger games when you were a kid and anyway um we could sit here for the rest of the podcast yeah. and talk about vin scully and you know stories that we heard i will finish by saying as a giants fan a true giants fan we all hate the dodgers the dodgers fans uh hate the giants I don't know a, a giant fan that hates Vin Scully, and that's I think probably the be- best compliment yeah. you can get. Right, like you could watch a Giants Dodgers game, listen to Vin Scully, and have no animosity, and understand that he appreciates the contest and the game that's going on on the field on both sides. And uh, and you know what what a to your point, he, he lived a very full life. This isn't like the sudden passing of a of a young gentleman. Mm-hmm. And so I think that hopefully the tributes and the the accolades and the stories and all of those stuff we know they'll live on we know they'll live on forever so fantastic
2: absolutely i think that's a good way to finish this podcast uh, it's been fun we did a great job talking about the uh, trade deadlines. We uh, we even had a little fun with Joey Gallo. But uh, always good chatting with you, Tuttle. It's been a blast. We know that doing this podcast is something that we enjoy doing. Uh, a little cathartic for us to get a lot of thoughts out of our brain that maybe we wouldn't normally have in our own household. So we appreciate everybody <laughs> who joins the bleachers. And we obviously want to thank all the military, home and abroad for protecting us and giving us this freedom to be able to chat and uh, speak our minds a little bit about a sport that we love and all the first responders all of those that rush into harm's way to save us and keep us safe. And all of the uh, essential workers, doctors, EMTs, nurses, uh, uh, the essential workers that keep the shelves stocked and keep us going through all of these uh, issues that we're having, but uh, continue to work hard out there, continue to have some fun. Teachers, the countdown is on. I I think next time we talk, I will have done a I will have done a national game on the Peacock streaming app, whatever the heck that thing is. And then I will be moving my first daughter to the University of Arkansas. So I may be in a different mood next time with a box of tissues and some (laughs) bloodshot (laughs) eyes uh, getting through that. But we greatly appreciate you here on this podcast. Tuttle, it's been a blast hanging out with you, man.
1: That's why I love you, Blummer. You're sensitive. You know what's really funny after the <laughs> Vin Scully story is, uh, it would be interesting to hear Vin Scully's story about Joey Gallo, and that's something we won't ever get to hear. If you're <laughs> God, over, you're right. if you're so, over the age, if you're over the age of forty-five, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. And as always on this podcast, we encourage our listeners to get after it and believe it, believe it.
2: There's Joey Gallo.
1: He's got a hole in his swing the size of the Grand Canyon. Is that a a hole in his swing or his bat? Oh, no. It looks like he's got a hole in his bat. (laughs) Anyway. In a year that has been so improbable.